Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse 3. The heading here says, Jacob prepares to meet Esau. Verse 3, Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, in the country of Edom. He instructed them, this is what you are to say to my lord Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there until now. I have cattle and donkeys and sheep and goats, male and female servants. Now I'm sending this message to my lord that I may find favor in your eyes. When messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau and now he's coming to meet you and 400 men are with him. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and the herds and the camels as well. He thought, if Esau comes and attacks one group, then the group that's left may escape. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and to your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness that you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed the Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. He spent the night there, and from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows and 10 bulls, and 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. And he put them in the care of his servants, each herd by, himself, by itself, and said to his servants, Go ahead of me and keep some space between the herds. He instructed the one to lead. When my brother Esau meets you and asks, Who do you belong to? And where are you going? And who owns all of these animals in front of you? Then you are to say, They belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my lord Esau, and he is coming behind us. He also instructed the second, the third, and the others who followed the herds. You are to say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure to say, your servant Jacob is coming behind us. For he thought, I will pacify him with these gifts I am sending on ahead. And later when I see him, perhaps he will receive me. So Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him. But he himself spent the night in the camp. Now, in verse 22. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over for his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched. As he wrestled with the man, then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Then the man asked him, what is your name? 
Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the things that we can learn from it. Bless our pastor as he comes forward to teach what you have laid on his heart for us to learn today. Well, everyone, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss the teenagers. Uh, You guys can go back to your class and uh, be involved over there. And uh, thank you for being in up to this point. May God bless you. Love you guys. Appreciate y'all. Y'all are the best. Y'all are the coolest group I know. And uh, thank you for being a part of things. Eric will be teaching, and I believe Sabrina will be back there with him as well. And uh, for some reason, that door's closer is not working real great. And so you're going to get that right there. Oh, it worked fine this one single time. Have y'all been hearing the big smack? Yeah, that's what it is. So, yeah, look at that. All right. And, uh, yeah, by the way, did y'all notice uh, the lights are different? Um, This is going on. Things are going on. We had a big power surge. And so in the middle of a great song everybody was getting into, the devil's like trying to keep us from having a good time. It ain't going to happen, all right? So thank you guys for being here and being a part of things today. Uh, Sorry about some of the technical difficulties. And I just want to shout out the Young family. Man, y'all are constantly troubleshooting stuff like this. Because how many of y'all know that like to err is human, but to really screw it up takes a computer in some way? Can I get an amen, right? Yeah. And so that happens. And then you got to try to find a way to fix it and make it work. And these folks do such a great job, whether it's Colin um, on the... the, um, the things that we're going through each and every week, or mom, when she's not, uh, when he's not able to be here, mom is, and then Scott, every single week is just so faithful. Uh, we just really appreciate them. Can we give them a hand real quick? Thank you all, young family. Appreciate you very, very much, and I don't say it nearly enough. All right, so this week, we are beginning Headspace Volume 2, and I got to tell you, this is the first time I've ever done something like this with a Volume 2 rather than a Volume 1. But I felt so led to kind of get into something that I knew I really didn't have the time to finish because we were butting right up against um, holiday time. And I haven't really gotten back to it very quickly, but now I want to be sharing with you guys the Headspace Volume 2, Attention with Intention. And the truth of the matter is, is that in our modern world, our attention is being pulled and drugged in different directions all the time. And I don't know, can I get an amen here in just a second? Now, not, not just quite yet, but can I get an amen if you felt like, man, I just don't have the bandwidth, I don't have the headspace to deal with some of the stuff that's been going on in the last couple of years. Can I get an amen at least once you've felt that way? Right? So we've all felt that way. We've all been there. And I got to tell you, the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of the time I preach up here about looking for the victorious Christian life. And I want to be very, very clear. I don't ever try to just simply teach that what you need to do is get saved and everything gets perfect because that's not true. 
The truth of the matter is, is that there are different levels to this game of following Christ. And there are some people who are living on a very, very low level because they haven't really dedicated themselves to following him with their whole heart. And the truth of the matter is, is that everything in this world is pulling us in different directions and rarely, if ever, is it towards the good and towards God. Now, y'all would agree with that as well, amen? All right, so you probably can identify with this picture. Uh, I mean, it's like every moment that you turn off everything, you can, you can say like there's at least six or eight thoughts running through my mind. Have y'all ever thought to yourself, it's better if I don't slow down because if I slow down, it just gets more confusing, right? The truth is, is that we are pulled in so many different directions, and I want to talk a little bit about headspace and some of the stuff that happens in our headspace that hurts us and keeps us from that victorious Christian life that God wants for us. And I want to be very, very clear. You might be thinking, oh, this sounds like pop psychology. Man, this is not pop psychology. I want you to hear very clearly the greatest commandment according to Jesus when he was approached and he was asked, what is the greatest commandment in Matthew? He tells us clearly what the greatest commandment is, and he goes into it and talks a little bit about it. He says, oh, can we go to the next slide if you don't mind? We'll come back. Matthew chapter 22 Verse 36 through 30, this is another reason why I appreciate the Youngs, because what I, what I plan to do and what I do is often very, very different. Alicia, go ahead and say amen real loud, right? Go, go, uh, amen. She's like, that is so true. <laughs> they have no idea. So teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, you guys have heard this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your, what is it? Mind. You see, the truth of the matter is, is that in our world, we've often been told that we don't need to have a mind whenever it comes to faith things. We just kind of have to accept these things. But the truth is, is that Jesus told all that would listen that our mind is supposed to be involved in our faith. It's not just a heart thing. It's not just an emotion thing. It's not just a nostalgia thing. It is something that engages our heart, our body, our soul, our mind. It is everything from top of the head to the bottom of the feet. It is all about every part being dedicated to the God who made us and loves us. And so you cannot really live out the greatest commandment if you do not have your mind taking a deep breath and giving God a little bit of that headspace that's being taken up by all this other stuff. You guys with me so far? Can I get an amen right now? Okay. Amen right now. All right. Thank <laughs> you. Some of y'all are a little too literal, but I'm good with it. Let's go back one slide, Alicia. Yes, I'm a bad guy. But let's talk about this. When we're talking about our common world right now, I want to be very clear. Sometimes I do teaching that are exactly where we are. In this instance, it's going to be a little different. I'm going to do a teaching on what I believe the Lord would have us to do the next time we're faced with some of the things. Now, I want to be very clear, some of you are in a place right now where the headspace is very, very cramped, it's really, really difficult. I think we all came through that at least a few months worth in the pandemic, right? I mean, while we were in the pandemic and going through it, there was at least a few different times where we were there and going, man, what are we doing here? Like, what is going on? And how is the world ever going to be the same again? It probably won't, to be honest. And that took a little bit of trauma and a little bit of drama for all of us, right? And so as we move forward, there's a lot of us that have been affected. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. Listen clearly. Your kids are gone. 
they're the ones that are hit the hardest. They're the ones that are hit the hardest. Here's why. You've been around long enough to know that it's going to make it through. Even when it doesn't feel like it's going to make it through, it's going to make it through. That God's still in control. You have what they call wisdom because you've been around a little longer. And wisdom is nothing but knowledge rightly applied, right? But for kids, they got tons of knowledge. Man, they're, they're smarter than you and me. Like, goodness knows you don't want them to ask you for help with their homework. Can I get an amen on that, right? You're like, man, I don't want to tell my kid how dumb I am. What are they doing here? Is this like college algebra or what, you know? In their third grade. Uh, but anyway, I'm just saying, like, for that situation... They don't have the perspective. They don't have the wisdom. And that's your job as parents to impart that. But they're the ones who are most powerfully affected by this. Their headspace is really crowded already. And then on top of that, this pandemic has hit them and hit them hard. So they need you. And that means that you have to be intentional and you have to get involved. Okay, so very quickly... We're going to talk about a few things very quickly having to do with a book called Hyperfocus, but you can see it here. Technology speeds up time. It tempts us in every moment to fill our attention to the brim. This leads us to remember less because it is only when we pay attention to something that our brain actively encodes it into memory. Do any of you guys feel like you're sometimes moving through a whole day, stuff has happened and you barely remember what has happened? Have you ever had this experience recently where it feels like important things have been told to you and in the moment you felt like you were paying attention, but in the aftermath, you kind of forgot, even though you remembered that it was important and you should remember, but you're still having trouble remembering what it was? True confession now, right? We're there. We're there. And I know it ain't all just because of my age. <laughs> Don't y'all be thinking mean thoughts about your preacher now, okay? But the truth is, is that this is what's happening. With the pace of our world, we are encoding less and less and less information, but we're still receiving just as much, if not more, than we've ever received before. Let's go to our next slide here. And I want to share this with you. I shared this with you at the beginning in volume one, now in volume two, Attention with Intention. According to Timothy Wilson, the professor of psychology at University of Virginia, we receive 11 million bits of information per second. That's what's going on in our world. That's why you can look back there and see a fly, even though you see the panorama and all the bits and pixels of our world, and you can see a fly over there, and then you, you, know, you kind of hone in on it and go, what in the world is that? Have you all ever noticed sometimes you drive by and you don't know what's different, but you know something's different. Have you all had that experience? Right? So the question is, how many of these bits can a person process and focus upon at any one time? Now, if you remember, I'm going to give you a gold star later, but don't ruin it for everybody else, okay? If you remember from volume one, probably most of you don't, but it's a very interesting piece of information. How many of these bits can a person process and focus upon at any one time? The answer is 40. 40. Not 40, not 40, 400, you know, not 4,000, not 4 million of these 11 million bits. It's 40. That's why whenever you are trying to parallel park, the radio is not up. You know what I'm saying? 
Because there's too much going on and all this driving that you're doing forward, no problem. But parallel parking, which we all stink at, and why in the world haven't they figured out how to make a car parallel park itself before now? I don't know, but I need to get me one of those. We turn down the radio. Why? Because there's too much information coming for us to really focus on what we're doing. You guys with me? Your headspace only has so much space. And if you're giving it to all kinds of frivolous, silly things, just loud things, the loudest billboard, the most eye-catching billboard, the most oh kind of thing that grabs you, you can only watch so many cat videos before it takes its toll, right? So here's what I'm saying. Your headspace has to be intentional or it will constantly feel like you're in a daze. As you move through this world, you will never experience the joy, the meaningful kind of connection that God wants for you, and you will never be the person that's living in Christian victory in a way that God wants for you until you say to yourself, it's not just about what I do with my body, it's not just about me coming to church, it is about me gaining control over my mind and letting God have supremacy here in my head even though it never comes out of my mouth, even though it never comes out of my hands or my feet or what I do, you know, these things have to be given to God as control. It's our headspace, and he's got to be supreme leader in our headspace still. All right, so here's what I want you guys to understand. Um, you might know this, you might not know this, but I'm going to focus today on something that most of us have already come through, but some of us may still be in because of the pandemic, and maybe in because of other reasons as well. So just want to be clear, I'm not trying to pick on or preach to any particular people, not the problem that I'm trying to tackle here at all. But here's what I would say, from me, from me, about me, I realized that there were some things that I needed to do different when I went through the pandemic. It, it, it showed some holes in the foundation for me that I needed to commit to him in a deeper way and a deeper level. Now, I think you probably experienced some of that same thing, right? I mean, you know, when we were facing something unprecedented, I want to turn to God and find him to be everything and all sufficient. But there were some spots in there where I tried to take control of that when it should have been all his and it became, no, no, I got to handle this. You see? And so, what I'm preaching about is probably more for the next time you face something. But if by chance you're still facing some of this pandemic related or anything else, that's cool. It still works. Just hang in and listen. Because fear is something that we can never really fully get rid of. We can learn to manage it, but it will always have a place in our headspace. You guys understand that, right? Fear is always going to be there. So let's go to our next slide very quickly. Fear thrives in a frantic mind. And fear is something that overwhelms our system and systems. It overwhelms your mind, but it also overwhelms your body. It's called stress. It's called your heart beating fast. It's called high blood pressure. It comes from fear. So you and I, we may think that fear is not really playing a role in my life, but it is. And I'm going to go you even one better. 
if you really don't deal with fear very well, if you don't tackle it and set it aside and call it by its real name, if you don't deal with it well, it can lead to depression. How many of you know that? It can lead to depression for you and also to just know that fear and anger are two sides of the same coin. How many of you know that as well? Because you know what? I've done some crazy things usually when I was scared about something. And the more scared I was, the crazier I was willing to go. Any, any of y'all, can, y'all gonna leave me out on this limb by myself? I knew I wasn't gonna get an amen there, but y'all know what I'm talking about. The more fearful I became, the crazier I was willing to go. And I gotta be very careful if I'm not aware that fear is running me and doing things to me. And there's three responses that we usually talk about, actually two. How many of you have ever heard of the fight or flight? You've heard of that? There's one more, at least. There's actually two more. I'm not going to ruin my spoiler alert. All right, spoiler alert, it's coming. But here it is. It's fight, flight, or freeze. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> freeze, like, Ooh! I don't want to do the wrong thing, so I won't do a single thing. I don't know what happened to two years of my life, but somewhere in the pandemic, I lost two years of my life, and it felt like a holding pattern. I'm sure I'm the only one. In many ways, it was a freeze moment. I didn't do some of the things that I should have done. I didn't do some of the things that I said all I needed to do was have more time, and I'd do them. (laughs) Rest in peace, my gym membership. God bless it. You see what I'm saying? We froze, and our mind was so full of all the crazy things that possibly could have happened, we froze, and we stayed frozen for months and maybe even years. This is not political. This is spiritual. I hope you guys are hearing exactly what I'm saying and exactly the spirit in which I'm saying it. I'm not talking about who got shut down and what states are open and all that junk. I'm talking about me personally, shut down, frozen, because of the fear of what might happen. So I got to do it better the next time, and there will be a next time. So here's the big idea that I want to share with you, and it comes directly from a passage of Scripture in the book of John where Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says to them, in this world you will have trouble. You will doesn't mean you did something wrong. It just means that you're living in a world that is full of trouble. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So we can find peace in our world because he has overcome the world. So I want to say it one more time, and I want you guys to join with me if you would on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. We can find peace in our world because he has overcome the world. And if you're in a place right now, especially, where fear is running you and not the other way around, listen, the victory is probably not found in you. It's probably found in the one who died for you instead. I want to just say a few words here, and we're going to tackle some of the things that we learned from this passage of Scripture in Genesis chapter 32. We're going to take four quick lessons. And I told you guys, I owed you some time back because I went too long last week. I'm giving you that time back. I'm thinking I'm on track. So let's keep moving here. Here's your something to learn. According to Bible Gateway's search engine, the Hebrew title for God, God Almighty, appears in scriptures about 120 times. 
You see, in the ancient Hebrew, what they would do is they'd say, God, the God who sees me, or God, the God who heals me, Jehovah Jireh, or God, the God who is almighty. And so it was like a hyphenated talking about one of his attributes. And over 120 times, he is described as God, the God almighty. I can't help but think that what God is trying to convey to you and to me is, if it's too big for you, God has got it, if you will give it. You see what I'm saying? What I'm trying to say here is, if he tells us one or two or three times that he's the Almighty, maybe it's just interesting. But 120 times, he's trying to make sure that if you don't have the strength, the good news is, is that you know the one who does. And you don't have to produce peace in this world. All you got to do is plug into the one who has already overcome this world. This is our big idea. We engage and find peace, not because we've got it so good, or not because everything's fine in our life, or not because we're incredible people of faith but because we are people who are so plugged into the God who can change a life and change an outlook with just a moment. A moment of God can change everything about your life, but you gotta give it to him, plug into that peace that he is trying to give to you, and everything can change. Very quickly, here is this fourth response to fear, and I believe this is important. There's fight. There's flight. We know those two real well. And then the freeze we get, we understand. But I think the fourth and the one that brings glory and honor to God and the fourth, the one that actually brings peace into our life is instead of reacting to fear with fight, flight, or freezing, we instead react to fear with faith. And I think that fear and faith are a counterbalance. They're a seesaw. Any of y'all used to do a seesaw when y'all were a kid? Teachers, do they still do seesaws or do they realize those are way too dangerous? I don't know. Like, no, they still do them? No. Okay, they realize they're too dangerous. How many of you old school folks know what a seesaw is? You know the best part, right? You jump off and then, you know. Am I a terrible person? Is that? Somebody's leaving. Like, he's like, I can't listen to this man. He needs to be saved. Teasing, I'm teasing. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So what am I saying in the spiritual sense? When faith goes out the window, guess what? And throws you for the loop. The fear. But when fear is suppressed, your faith is rising. God's still got this. I, I don't know how. I don't get it. I don't fully grasp every piece of it. But I know that God's got it. And God, most importantly, has got me. That do it again song that we love, that we just sang, I love it. What was it saying? <laughs> I've seen you move. You've already moved mountains. And I believe you will do it again. My faith rises as my fear falls. They're like a seesaw, a teeter-totter if you grew up back in Oklahoma like I did, all right? So we understand and grasp this. And I want to be real clear, I, I try very hard to make sure that I'm giving you stuff that you can kind of put into motion and stuff like that. Let's go to our next slide. You're probably already doing something that could make a big difference in your kids' lives. You're probably already eating. Have you all heard of eating before, uh, eating dinner before? Do it at a table without the TV. 
turn down their volume and noise, and at first they will be frustrated with you. I get it. Put the phone over there, and don't make them put the phone if you're not willing to put your phone over there. But put their phone, put your phone, and then y'all sit there and talk. Because if your kid was going through something crazy, you want to make sure that one of the people that has a voice in that is you. And you can't do that until you begin to build a road and build a bridge and build a connection to them before it's needed. So make some time for family dinners. It actually, man, you can do some research on this stuff. I'm telling you, family dinners are incredible. They, on a regular basis, day after day after day, this is something that changed our family's life, something that my wife was hardcore about, and I love her for it. It made all the difference. I am close to each one of my daughters individually and collectively, and I think one of the biggest things that did that was even when they were teenagers and didn't want to spend a ton of time with me, I got at least 30 minutes with them every single day without their phones, without my phone, and it's really, really important. Really, really important. All right. Um, let's keep going here. How do you make this work? Um, I'm moving quickly here. We're resisting the initial impulse for the three Fs, those things that fight, flight, or freeze. That fourth one is faith. And you're intentional, you know, you got to be intentional to get to that fourth option. you got to say no to the first three because all those first three are going to be ones that you want to jump in and get into, into, right? And so that fourth one is the one that will come to you last, but it is the most important. So what you have to do is you have to resist and say, I'm not going to fight, I'm not going to run, and I'm not going to be a person who freezes right here. I'm going to wait and see what God's up to because I know as a person of faith that God is up to something, right? And so we resist the initial impulse for those first three Fs, and then we go for the faith. Let's go to our next slide, and this is so vital. Genesis chapter 32, verses 3 through 6. This is condensed. Now we're back at this story of Jacob. This story of Jacob, who is a, 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 a patriarch, who basically was not a good guy. <laughs> he stole his brother's birthright, he stole his brother's blessings. He gave, him, he, he gave him so many headaches and problems that there was a huge sibling rivalry. And then they split up. And when they split up, they were not on bad terms. They were on murderous terms. Okay? It, you, we don't have time to go too long uh, because I already told you I'm giving you back at least 10 minutes this morning. So I'm telling you, they were on murderous terms. I know none of y'all can identify with that with any member of your own family, but it does happen. And so this is a condensed version here. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And then in verse 5, it says, Now I'm sending this message to my Lord that I may find favor in your eyes. That's Jacob speaking to his brother, sending it through a messenger. And when the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau, and now he's coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. Now, if you left your brother on murderous terms, and he's coming, and you know he's bringing 400 dudes with him, let me ask you a question. Are you nervous, at least a little bit, at least somewhat? It's a logical conclusion. It's a logical assumption. And this is important. Jacob finds fear crowding into his headspace. He's a successful person. You heard about all the things that he owns, all the wives and children and 
livestock and all these things that were the, the, the sign of wealth in the ancient world. He's got it all, but he's nervous because he thinks, I'm this close to meeting a guy who wants to kill me, and probably for good reason, and in the process of it, he's brought 400 dudes with him. I'm scared. It's fear. It's real. And you know what? I would love to tell you that you should never be afraid, but sometimes you probably ought to. Because sometimes fear is real. And you know what? It is so important to grasp that you're not a person of no faith if you feel fear. The truth is, is that you feel fear. It's a legitimate thing, but you and I, we can overcome that. We can feel it. We can let it settle and set. And then instead of it being the controlling emotion, we can overcome it with faith. We're going to talk more about that. Sorry about the, the, the back and forth here. There should be a little bit cleaner version of that, but it is what it is. Let's go to our next slide. That's one of those things where you transfer from one computer to another and you get the, the wonky stuff. You see here in 1 Kings chapter 19, this is a, a Elijah who had just won a huge victory. A huge victory. He had literally faced down the prophets of Baal and literally had slain them. He had killed the prophets of Baal by the hundreds to purge it of the, the wrong kind of people. And it says, now Ahab told Jezebel, that's his wife, everything that Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah and said, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. This is her way of making an oath. May God's deal with me ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life just like that of one of them. And Elijah was afraid. And what did he do? He ran for his life. The guy who just put to the sword hundreds of men who were standing in front of him got the word about one queen who said something terrible to him, made a promise that she probably couldn't keep. And he ran for his life. That doesn't compute. But we've all been there, haven't we? The headspace determines the reaction. You guys follow? Why? What is going on? I, I can't go too deep here, but just know that your headspace that changes with circumstances sometimes will have you standing strong and sometimes will have you cowering in fear. If you don't grasp that that will happen, it will take you by surprise and you'll think that you're nothing and that you're not right. But the truth is, is you're just like every single one of us, that the headspace has to be in the right place for us to win and find faith. Let's keep moving here very quickly. Go to our next slide. This is a, is a quote by William James, and it's just his way of saying, you got more in you than you realize. For some of us, we stand still, we freeze, and we don't realize that some things will never be changed by our feelings because our feelings tend to be inertia that is overcome only by action. And how many of you have ever done something that you didn't feel, but later you realized it was good, and the next time you felt it a little bit more, and you felt it a little bit more, and then you felt it a little bit more, and eventually you became somebody motivated to do what was right instead of being stuck in that frozen place, right? We've all been there. And so this is something that we need to understand. We have sources of strength that have never been taxed at all because we never push through the obstruction that we initially find. 
I'm going to encourage you, push through that obstruction. You got more to give than you realize you got to give. Let's keep moving very quickly. How else do we make it work? You make wise choices. Very quickly, I'm going to have them press these up on the screen. Let's go to our first one. And you see that whenever he was going to be with his brother, he made a choice to split his camp into two camps so that at least half of them lived no matter what he thought he was facing. And then he thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start sending him sheep and goats and all kinds of things that he would love to have. It's, it's an incredible gift. And instead of sending two or three, I'm going to send two or three hundred. And I'm going to send them and they're going to go and he's going to keep coming this way and he's going to meet another group. And I'm going to have him take all of these things because I've got it to spare and I better make a wise choice. If I can keep my life alive, I'd rather be poorer and alive than rich and dead, basically. It's a wise choice. Wouldn't you agree? So he makes these choices and makes these decisions and he makes these wise choices. They're not necessarily spiritual choices, but they're wise. You and I, we can't wait on God to do every single thing. Now, at times God will push us aside and say, I got this. I'm doing all of this. But for what has happened most of the time in my life that has pushed me towards victory is when I say, Lord, lead me in this. I feel this. Please stop me from going down the wrong path, but I want to do what's right, and I don't want to just sit here and go, God's got to do it because I'm not going to do anything. That's actually called frozen, remember? You know, the freeze part? We can spiritualize being frozen. It's true. So what we have to do is we have to say, okay, I'm going to make moves, and I'm going to move forward, and I'm going to be wise. Okay, let's go ahead and go to our next slide here. Um, Go ahead. I think you've seen this one. This is having to do with the animals that he sent as gifts. Let's go to our third slide here. How else do we make it work? We remember what God has promised to us. This is so powerful. You didn't hear it. I've read it a bunch of times, and it jumped out to me in preparation for this message. Listen to what Jacob prays to the Lord. Again, I think it's condensed. Let's go to our next slide. I think it's con- Oh. Faith means trusting in advance what will only make sense in reverse. And that's exactly how Jacob acted. He moved towards that. Let's go to our next slide here. This is what happens. Jacob prays, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I'm afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. He's like, I think he's going to kill all of us, leave nothing. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will give your descendants like the sands of the seashore, which cannot be counted. You know what he's basically doing? He's saying, God, I don't get how you're going to pull me out of this. But here's what I know. There's a promise that you have made to me that hasn't come true yet. And I'm believing this promise instead of these circumstances. This is faith, believing in advance those things which will only make sense when seen in reverse. I don't know how you're going to do it. There's 400 men banging down my doorstep and a brother who I last saw who wanted to kill me. I don't know how this is going to work. But I believe that you have yet to do the things that you have promised to do. And I have faith in the God who fulfills And follows his own promises. So for that, I will react in 
faith and not in fear. Powerful stuff, right? Amen? Can I get an amen? Man, amen. I'm telling you, so good. I, that jumped out. Oh, look at that. I love it. And then, by the way, he didn't pretend he wasn't afraid. Let's keep going here very quickly. I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. A brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. That is such a great quote by Nelson Mandela. And that is true of you. If you will win over fear, you will do so not because it's not there, but because you have decided to act anyway. Our next slide. Here's how you make it work. You watch for God to show, God to show up. And I want you to know, he will rarely show up early. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just telling you what I know. God doesn't normally show up early. The night before he's supposed to meet Esau, guess who shows up? God. Guess when Jacob wanted him to show up? At least a week earlier, preferably three, right? God shows up when we need him most, but usually at the last minute when we've barely got any faith left. And God shows up and he wrestles with Jacob all night long. And Jacob has changed so fundamentally in this encounter with God that his name is no longer Jacob, meaning deceiver, but his name is Israel, which basically means loved of God, striving with God. Changes his whole life, his whole outlook. The nation of Israel is born in this moment as Jacob wrestles with God. It's a powerful thing. There's so much to say, um, but my time is very, very short. Here is a big question and how you can apply these things. Here's a big question for you. Has fear found a foothold in your heart and in your past and in your present <laughs> or any one of these? I cannot tell this story without telling the rest of the story because it is so powerful in and of itself. In Genesis chapter 33, the next verse of scripture, next chapter of scripture, Jacob looks up and there's Esau coming with his, you know, with his people and his forces. And he divides his children, sends them in different ways. And he himself starts walking towards Esau, bowing down to the ground, taking seven steps, bowing down. I mean, a great show of respect and, and honor. And Esau runs to him. Now, <laughs> I don't know if I would have been okay with that. I'm not going to lie. If he starts running, I'm probably running the other way. Jacob stood his ground, and when he got to him, instead of tackling him, fighting with him, he embraces him. And he says, what are you doing sending all these people with all these gifts? What is going on? And he's like, I just want you to be blessed. I'm the man who did it wrong, and I stole your birthright, and I stole your blessing, and I just want you to be blessed. He said, you don't even need to worry about that. I, I don't have to have these things. He said, no, no, do me a favor. Keep them. I've got more than I need. And he said, well, I've got more than I No, no, just take them. Keep these. Why? Because I just want you to be blessed for me, for a change. That's the New Texas version, Okay. And so they hug and embrace, and they bury the hatchet, and everything is different from this point forward for Jacob and Esau. Incredible, right? Great story. And so it's so important for us to remember that many times the things that we fear the most never even happen. Or if they do happen, 
they're not nearly as bad as we thought they were going to be. So much to say. I'm going to stop right here. But here's what I do want to do. I do want to show you how you can apply this. Here's how you apply it. You identify one action that begins our journey, your journey, out of the freeze of fear. And then take that one action. I've got two lines there figuratively in your head. One thing that you know would take you out of this complacency and stopping and freezing and all of those things. And instead of staying there, choose that action and determine you will do it this week. This week. Why? Because the longer you wait, the less likely you are to actually do it. So decide and determine what it is and then take that action this week. There is a movie that I want to show you, and I'm going to be honest with you. It's supposed to be a New Year movie. It's supposed to be a New Year movie, but it's so good, it says so much, and it speaks so clearly to the things that we're talking about. Um, I just wanted to share it. And I will tell you also, without a doubt, um, (laughs) this is something really that will be a blessing to you at this time, no matter what. So let's check out this video as we end. It's a new year filled with new unknowns. We're coming off yet another season of uncertainty. A year, if we're honest, filled lots of us with fear. We've allowed our eyes to drift and wander. So God, as we head into this year, fill our eyes with wonder. May we focus on the things that you care about, not on our shoelaces. Remind us of Hebrews 13:6. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So with Jesus interceding for us, what can come against us? When his joy comes new every morning, what is left for sadness to claim? If nothing can separate us from your love, then what room does hatred have to take hold? When you make known to us the path of life, how can we ever lose our way? If you uphold us with your righteous right hand, how can we be afraid of falling? God, we commit to lay our plans at your feet once again, for you know the plans you have for us. So as we go into this new year, we will focus on you, God, because what can man or our careers, our schools, our families, our thoughts, our doubts, our fears, our insecurities, what can any of these things do to us? nothing, because our trust, our faith, and our hope are in you, God.